Are we asking the right questions? That's honestly the question we're asking in this week's episode. We're talking about learning God through other perspectives, how church is a verb, not a noun, and we're trying to ask the question, how can we experience God, not just learn about God? We spend so much time trying to consume knowledge, trying to grow our understanding of who God is, but the true experience is where God is at. God is so much more than knowing. He's in those little actions in our daily routines. And so that's what we're wanting to talk about this week. Just learning how to find God outside of just our knowing. We are for the spiritual nomads, the outcasts, and the ones who desire to ask the hard questions. A shelter in the desert. A safe place to share our thoughts, our hopes, and our dreams. We are pursuing the truth, and we don't care about the answers. We invite you to come and sit at our table and be a part of our tribe. We are brave. We are bold. We are the Reckless Pursuit. Hey everyone, welcome to The Reckless Pursuit. My name is Cody. And my name is Elaine. And this is episode 91. Elaine, what are we talking about today? Yeah, so this week we're talking about questions. Are we asking the right questions? Are we talking about the things that we really need to be talking about? Have we actually dug deep into the conversations that we wanted to? And maybe even a new direction for the show. Yeah, so this kind of got spurred on because we've been doing a lot of thinking about what the reckless pursuit is and before we kind of get into any of this just a quick thing like we don't have any ill feeling toward anything we've done we love the conversations we've been having we want to continue having the conversations we've been having but one thing that i really feel like we've been lacking with is real relatable stories i really feel like uh our conversation with the warreners was really good i think that was a great conversation we've had amazing conversations with professionals people Mm -hmm. like you know todd vick uh you know, just so many professionals that we've had Todd being last week's and then uh, quite a few before that just going back. We have a couple more coming up. We have a great conversation with Mary DeMuth. We have a uh, couple fellow podcasters coming on and we're going to be sprinkling those in um, kind of as the year wraps up and into the new year. But really, we're, we want to talk about the, the, the topics, the questions, the conversations that We're all having, that's the ultimate intent of this show, the conversations, the questions we're having whenever we're alone with friends, whenever we're not in church, whenever we're off to ourselves, these really big struggling things. And I think we've done a good job of hitting a lot of these points, but I want to dive more into that. So me and Elaine today are just going to be talking a little bit about that, some questions that come to our mind that we want to address, and uh, we're just going to dive into what this show is going to look like moving forward But even more so, this is going to be an authentic conversation about having conversation. And before we get into that real quick, if you haven't done so so far, go up there, click that subscribe button, and then go and leave us an honest review. That helps us out a whole lot. And I really just want to stress, don't skim over this, please. Those reviews help people scrolling by to know what this show is like from an outsider's perspective. Also, if you're not a part of Nomads yet, Go down there, click that link, and ask to be a part. Nomads is a great community of people who are all asking hard questions, and we would love to have you over there. I also have some exciting news. My podcast, The Prodigal Daughter, airs 
tomorrow or November 19th for those of you who are listening after it launches. So if you're into mindset and just meditation, manifestation, calling in the things that you want for your life, goal setting, really digging into those topics and you're a woman. (laughs) Yeah. So my show is geared towards women and just linking arms with women to become the best version of ourselves and to step into our God-given callings. Yes, I've uh, had Elaine take over the studio for the last week and a half, and I've heard her been recording her initial episodes, and guys, I can't uh, say it enough that I'm extremely proud of Thank my you. wife, and I think this is going to benefit uh, so many people. So, congratulations, Elaine. <laughs> Thanks. It's, it's good. Uh, yeah, and so I'm glad that we kind of talked about the new direction for The Reckless Pursuit before that, because The Reckless Pursuit is not going anywhere. Like, we're still continuing to have these conversations. I just wanted to kind of branch off and uh, have more women centered yes so if you love the reckless pursuit and you want more there are three outlets you have my outlet which is i know elaine it's your favorite thing in the world right my biblical history beyond the bible itinerant and so i know i make you listen to every single one of them to make sure i'm on track but (laughs) you have that side of it for me you have the reckless pursuit which is both of us and you have the prodigal daughter which is just elaine so Mm -hmm. you get us uh from three different avenues we're filling up your podcast feed Anyway, so Elaine, let's get right into today's conversation about having conversations and asking the right questions. So Elaine, we've been talking about having the right conversations. We've been talking about have we been having the right conversations? And I think between you and I, the general consensus is yes and no. We've been having right conversations, but we haven't been giving voice to everyone we're wanting to we want to have professionals we want to have people who have you know busted their butt wrote books started podcasts started blogs started youtube channels etc etc we want those type of people but our heart is for you know first and foremost people who are having these conversations behind closed doors people like you and i before we started this before we decided to be the mouthpiece for so many people and to take that public backlash, you know, we were having those conversations, just you and I. And so what spurred on just wanting to talk about this on the show? This is a conversation you and I would normally have to ourselves. So why did you want to take it behind a mic? Mostly because one, I want to apologize to our audience. Um, Whenever we started this, you know, all these conversations that are needing to be had, but most people aren't having them or like Cody said, they're having them behind closed doors. And I love all the conversations that we've had this year. We've had so many interviews with so many amazing professionals sharing their story, but I kind of realized we haven't really diversified our show. We haven't really given a voice to the people closer to our age or of different backgrounds and religions, of different races, of different sexes. I've kind of realized that a lot of our guests have been males. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Males have just as much of a voice as women do. But I mean, that's kind of why I wanted to start my podcast was to allow women to have other have other conversations, too, and just giving a voice to other people that don't look like us that have the same questions. Yeah. And then the second part to that, too, I think would just be to boil it down to what these questions represent. It's one thing to ask a big question like who is God? It's big, you know, big questions like what is hell? These are all questions that need to be talked about. But there's so many micro questions within each and every one of these, right? And that's the beauty of asking. You're going to go deeper and you're going to go deeper. And our heart, more than anything else, is to show people that 
it's okay to have your doubts. It's okay, you know, that uh, Jude 122 is, you know, be patient with those who doubt or have mercy on those who doubt, whichever translation you want to read it from. And uh, I think that it's just a beautiful thing to ask questions, to explore the different aspects of God. But we've been sitting around lately with just some friends and we've been asking like, hey, what questions are you having? And things like guilt for not going to church, these raw emotions, uh, lack of community, all these legitimate things. And I've realized that people have a story to tell and people want to talk. So I, Elaine, let's just kind of start with this way. What's a question you have had lately we can talk about right now? And while I'm giving you a second to come up with something, because I completely spring that on you, I just want to talk for a second. You know, like everyone that comes into our community, one of the guidelines for entering is uh, we have a question that's just like, what is something that you uh, have thought about or questioned about God or religion or what is something you could, you know, tell the local church? And so many diverse questions come in, so many different things from so many different walks of life. And I think that's just the beauty of it. And I just want to kind of clear the air here about what the reckless pursuit is and is not. I don't want to ever come behind this microphone and proclaim I have all the answers. Because if I am doing that, I am very much the exact same thing that we claim to, you know, quote unquote, preach against. I don't want to be that person who is saying I have the answers because I don't. I have opinions. I have thoughts. I can tell you what I was taught. I can tell you what I feel right now, but it's all subject to change. I could read a book tomorrow that's going to redefine how I view hell or God or eternity or uh, relationship or spiritual or anything like that. And that's the beauty of God. It's just how big and vast he is. And I think that it's safe to come into a place and share, but the safety isn't in trying to have someone tell you the answer. It's coming to understand who God is to you in that moment. Elaine, you got anything yet or can I keep rambling? Well, I actually, this isn't necessarily a question or I guess it's a bunch of questions, but a general topic idea is where are Christian women leaders? Why? Uh, we've seen the whole thing with Beth Moore and MacArthur and all these things. But my question is, I have a couple questions. One is like, why is it so evil to have women preachers? Why, you know, whenever I read the Bible, why weren't there women authors of the Bible? Why don't we talk more about the woman experiences in the Bible? Because there's a bunch of them and they're not all just bad, you know, mm. but, but why is even in church deemed as a a male dominated thing. Why why do you have men telling women that they're supposed to stay quiet? What were Paul's words meaning in this in the scriptures where it says women weren't supposed to teach church and teach men and stuff? And where where does this idea come from that women are lesser than in the eyes of God? Well and I think that is literally Pandora's box because it takes you and that's the beauty of asking, right? You ask something like, well what did Paul mean? And you can have 50 different versions of that. I, I don't know where my Bible's laying at right now. I thought it was on my desk. It's laying somewhere here. Oh, it's up on the shelf. And there's like 30 sticky notes in it right now, poking out from like every direction, like a redhead with a, with a, like a bad hair day because they're orange. Sorry. My best friend's like redheaded. One of my best friends is redheaded. Can I say that? Sure, I can say that. Like a redhead with a bad hair day. And they're just poking out everywhere because I've been trying to research that very thing, right? Because of some of this whole thing. I'm like, well, I, I don't want to know this for myself because I've been told the same thing growing up of like, oh, well, you know what Paul says? Like women can't be preachers. They can be anything else, but not preachers. They can even be prophets in the Bible. 
They just can't teach, which is funny because those same people believe in the fivefold ministry and that there's like levels of authority within that. And teacher comes at the bottom, yet prophet comes up, you know, second to first next to, uh, what is it? Um, not evangelist. It's a apostle, right? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. And so they can't be any of the bottom two. They can be the ones above those two, right? That's kind of like the, what I've heard. And so that opens up that whole can of worms. So what about all of the women preachers in the Bible? There's quite a few of them, you know, not just Mary, but there's Priscilla. There's there's numerous ones. There is a saint in the Bible that is a woman that uh, Paul sent out to go and teach. I was going to say, why, why does Paul say one thing and then completely negate his entire thought process? You know, he talks about women can't preach, but he actively hung out with women who preached at churches. And then you go into the whole thing of, well, okay, so it was specific to that church that he was talking to, which is logical. I mean, that's not illogical to say that. And then there's the whole view of, like, most people don't believe those books were actually written by Paul. They were written by one of Paul's successors, which isn't that far-fetched when you start researching it. And it opens up more and more and more doors. Well, I was going to say, I remember you telling me one time that there's this thing of, like, half of the authors were like ghostwriters of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I was talking with one of my friends the other day about this, about if they were ghostwriters in the Bible, um, which if you don't know what that is, it's when you have um, somebody write a story, basically that you take credit for, like you put your name yeah. over. Um, well, there was also the ghost hand in the Bible that wrote yeah, an episode on yeah, that. Yeah, maybe he wrote some books of the Bible. Maybe the ghost hand. But yeah, and so I was talking with a friend the other day and I was like, you know, what if these ghost writers were women writers, but men kind of put their names over them because they thought that they were greater than the women? Or what if some of these teachings were things that women taught? Which is funny because even Paul and Jesus both went on to say this, that uh, men and women are equal. There is no man or woman in the kingdom of God. There is no gender in the kingdom of God. It is genderless. And so I don't understand where this this stigma, it had to have been something cultural to that church or something like that. But then, so here's where that really goes into, and this is kind of the epiphany of the show and like what we're wanting to even push deeper into asking these questions is like, okay, so you look at that. Well, you have all these different significances of the Bible. There's a thousand different ways to read the Bible. There's 10,000 different ways to read into what you're reading, Right. And so if people actively teach in church, well, if you look at scripture, you know, it's it's uh, it's meant to be looked at through the lens you're looking at it. But yet we read it literal. Like I've been taught in church, like, well, when you read the Bible, you can get, you know, what is God speaking to you in the moment? Like, I've, I'm sure you've been taught that, Elaine, like whenever you're growing up in church, it's like, well, what's the Bible mean to you in this moment? And then you go and read it. And you're like, well, this is really what this is saying to me. And someone's like, well, that's not what that means. It actually means this right here. And you're like, uh, which one is it? Am I allowed to read it the way I feel God is showing it to me? Or am I wrong because of your lenses of truth you're shifting, you know, through this with? And it ultimately comes down to this of like us being the host of this show. And like I said, you're welcome to not agree with this point of view because we're not sitting here trying to tell you you have to agree with us. We're actually open to hear your point of view anytime you can email us, mail at therecklesspursuit.com. You can find us anywhere. On, like we're on all the different social medias. But my point of view is I don't believe the Bible is inerrant. And when I say inerrant, what I mean, you know, if you don't know what that means, it literally means I don't believe the Bible is perfect. I don't believe it's flawless. Uh, there's numerous flaws in the Bible. I'm sorry, there is. There are numerous uh, historical flaws. How can Moses have written Genesis and Exodus 
for one, because I think it's funny because Moses calls himself the most humble person in the world. Kind of like he's like Moses, the most humble man in the world at the time, but he's the author of, of the book. So he's got a little bit of a president syndrome going on there. <laughs> but uh, I think it's funny because, or it's, it's maybe not funny, maybe that's the wrong word, ironic that how can Moses write about his own death? if it's recorded in that book. So someone had to come along and kind of change those words in some kind of way. And that just kind of goes to say like the Bible is full of things that don't always line up. If you read through the gospels, there are certain things that don't li- uh, line up completely. When Jesus landed on the shore and the demon possessed man comes out to see him, one gospel says a demon possess- uh, possessed man. One gospel says demon possessed men or two demon possessed men came out to see Jesus. So which one was it? And All that to say, does that make the story any less potent? No. Does that make the message any more watered down? No. What it means is that people wrote this. They were inspired by God, and I'm sure you've heard this before if you listen to the show, but it's like whenever you look at something and you're trying to paint a portrait of it, you're inspired by the original object, but you can't ever grasp the full detail of it. And so I think that God is a lot more graceful and a lot more forgiving and that's the beauty of asking questions to me. That's the epith- like the epitome of this conversation is God is okay with you asking questions. He wants you to ask questions. And even more so, it's great to hear these stories. It's great to hear people's perspectives of God. And that's really what we want to hear more of. We don't want to just hear about deconstruction or reconstruction or any of these pigeonhole topics. We want to try to get into just hearing people's perspectives of God, people's perspectives we don't even agree with or uh, understand, you know, just these conversations about God where you can see someone else's understanding and you're not looking at things through the same lens because I feel like that's where things get dangerous. If you all you ever do is look at one picture of the Grand Canyon, you're doing yourself a major injustice because that's just one angle taken on one specific type of lighting on a specific day with specific weather in a specific season in a specific time of year in a specific time. And you are doing yourself so much injustice because you're missing all the other uncountable angles and depths. You can take one from inside, from this ridge, from that ridge, from this river, from that peak. And there's all these different angles that construct to make up the thing that's known as the Grand Canyon. The same with God and all of our different perspectives. Uh, normal people's perspective, when I say normal, I say use air quotes on that. Normal, everyday people, people that don't write about God for a living, people that you know work typical jobs, people that aren't involved in like any kind of full-time ministry or part-time ministry or left the ministry or even give a crap about ministry, people that grew up in different cultural backgrounds, people that grew up with different... Uh, practices, different denominations, different religions, all these different things can give us a full grasp and understand of who God is and what our Bible is talking about. And something else that I want to hear more of, of not just um, different perspectives, but more experiences, more experiences either inside the church or outside the church, and just understanding why people believe have certain belief system, what, what made them think certain ways about God, how they view God and why they view God that way that they have and and just their more emotion and feeling behind it and less of, well, I've done a bunch of research and this is what I gather, but 
hey, these are my experiences with who God is. And so with that being said, let's just take a minute and go into that. Elaine, what is an experience you have had that has changed the way you view that you view God? Not something you've studied, not something you've mm-hmm. read, but an experience you've had. I know for me, uh, I can speak personally on uh, just working at a church changed my perspective of God. And I can say, and I'm not even talking negatively here. It just changed my perspective because I, growing up, I always thought if I can make it into full-time ministry as my job, then like I wouldn't have to worry anymore about my relationship with God. Like I would be set. That would be the ultimate honor. I'd just be praying and worshiping God all day and all this stuff that I used to think was how I needed to approach God, right? And then I got on the other side of that, and anyone who's ever been in ministry can vouch for this. It's like you can get so caught up doing the works that you completely forget anything about God. It's actually further from God trying to do trying to do what we're doing here or trying to work in a church or trying to be a missionary or trying to evangelize or trying to write a book or any of these things. It actually takes you further away from God in the process because you're so caught up in the knowledge that you forget the experience, which is exactly mm-hmm. what made you come up with this very idea in the first place. So what about you, Elaine? Yeah, so something that's really kind of, that God has kind of spoken to me or, or where I view God most is recently you know, we kind of stopped um, trying out different churches. You know, there was a period when we left our church two years ago where we didn't go anywhere. And then we kind of started, you know, trickling in different churches and stuff. And I feel like we did more of that this year than last year. Yeah. But within the last month or so, like, I've just kind of felt, I wouldn't say convicted, but just kind of felt like, okay, this isn't doing it for me. We've gone to different denominations, different churches, different areas of our city and everything. and And it's all the same thing. But when I truly experience who God is, it's through conversations. It's through talking with people and hearing their experiences and bouncing ideas of what if God is this or what if God isn't this, you know, and just kind of going back and forth. And that's where I truly experience God because I feel like that's what God wants from us is instead of just, you know, under reading the Bible is fine. You know, preaching the Bible is fine. There's nothing wrong with that if it's in love. And, you know, they, that God really spoke that into that person or that that was on their heart. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with church when it's done the right way. But for me recently, most of the feelings that I get of peace and comfort and understanding of God is through other people's understanding of God and, and just having friends over over coffee or dinner and saying, hey, I don't know how I feel about this, or hey, I have so much shame in this certain area. And it's just being honest. I feel like there's not a lot of honesty within the church doors. Mm. Well, and I think that's, and, and like I said, we're not trying to go on like a church bashing raid, because that's not our intent either. Like if you're happy in church, like you should stay in church. Absolutely. Like there's nothing wrong with being in or out of church. Like it's all your walk. And uh, for one, we super spiritualize the word church. And I was thinking about this earlier. It's like, oh, we're going to church today because we're we're planning on having some folks over the evening we're recording this just to sit and talk about God. And I was like, well, I don't want to call this church because church is such a baggage word and it's so many triggers and yada, yada. And I'm just like, wait, where two or more are gathered, there I am. Church is an action. It's not a building. Yeah, church is not a noun. Church is a verb. I was coming in uh, to actually go make myself coffee this morning is, when, is whenever like I was having this conversation with God. And uh, last night was crazy and I didn't get a lot of sleep. Um, and Elaine was kind of up and down all night, not feeling the absolute best. So you're being a trooper for being here recording right now. And uh, we, I was just sitting there, I was praying, I was asking God, I was like, okay, God, so what, what does this look like? Like, I don't want to call it church because that's so cliche. I, just, I don't want to, 
like, how do I do this? Because I don't want to start a church. I'm like, I don't want to start a church. I just want to have people over and talk about you, but I don't want to start a church. There's enough churches out there. Like, we don't need more churches. And I just felt so heavy that God was like, Cody, church isn't a noun. It's a verb. You do church. You don't, like, you don't have a church. You have church. You don't go to a church. You are the church as you go, right? As you go make disciples. And that just like, it was profoundly shaking to me because like you sitting here listening to this podcast, you're having church. You know, when we talk to people in our group, we're having church. It's an action. It's like prayer. Prayer is a verb. It's not a noun. It goes up. It constantly goes out. You know, you don't have to end every prayer with amen. You don't have to start every prayer with dear Lord. Sometimes looking at the sunset or looking at, uh, you know, nature or looking at your family. That is the action of just realizing God in all things. And I, I just, I'm kind of saying all this to say kind of what you were going with, Elaine, like the knowledge of God is great. Trying to learn and understand and all this is great, but it's those stories, those real life events that really tug on our heartstrings. And those events can be as simple as sitting around and talking about God. And that's which kind where of, we learn more about who God is than just even the scripture itself. Right. And like that bleeds into like learning about God, right? But it's also, you know, you learn God through everything, through tragedy and loss. Like there is God to learn and that's a hard thing. And that's why like our episode with Thomas J. Ord was so powerful to me. Uh, you can learn God through joy, through having a child, through adopting a pet, through showing a, a loving act. But God is positive energy in motion. He is love in motion. And that is who God is. And so that is why, as we move forward in this podcast, trying to be action-oriented, not just have conversations, but put feet to those conversations, right? To take to take this somewhere further and, and experience God and actually allow that to come in and become that verb, become church, which is God in motion, love in motion. Every throughout our day, everywhere we go, all of this just as a constant state of doing and being in the presence of God and taking moments and allowing ourselves to realize when God is is in, at work and not getting so caught up on just the questions, but allowing those questions to spark an action. So how do we take a question, something like what is God or who is God to you or like you were saying, Elaine, women in the Bible, how do you take that and turn it into an action where it can become an actual experience? Like what does that even look like? That's something I'm thinking of right now, you know, for us doing this whole quote unquote, it's a house church, but it's not a house church thing. You know, like what is it called? What is that? Well, it's it's an action because we're taking action. It is church, but it doesn't mean that it has to look the way that church has always said, like one definition of a word doesn't define something. So what does it look like to take a question and make it an action? I think you can take just about any question and uh, you can take pretty much any question about God and kind of look through the scriptures and see, well, I can see this perspective. I can see this point of view from these different authors and stuff like that. But I think to really make it actionable is being the church. And when I say being the church, getting with those like-minded or not so like-minded people and getting around and, and having true discussions. If if you say, you know, why mm-hmm. why is there not many women preachers or why is this such an issue where you can share your experience of like, hey, this is a great thing for me. Like I, you know, um, 
had spoken at this retreat or this event or this person talked to me and shared me shared with me how hurt they had been from somebody telling them that they couldn't speak and just kind of sharing the experiences as a collective instead of just trying to ask everyone else well what do you think what do you think and and creating your idea of god based on everyone else's ideas but really sitting with those conversations and thinking, well, this is my experience. This is who God is to me because this is where I feel God or this is where I don't feel God. And it's okay if it's in different places and different times because that's, you know, we're all God's children. We all have a different aspect or a different perspective of who God is. And I think to make it action, to make the questions actionable is just, it's great to research things. It's great to look in the scriptures. It's great to look in historical texts outside of the Bible. That's fine. That's great if that's your passion. You know, you have a biblical historical podcast specifically for that and looking at the different stories and how other religions kind of tie into the similar stories and stuff like that. And I feel like that's a great thing is that that's how you make it experience. And whether some of the stories are true or not true, whether it's more metaphor than literal and all that stuff, it doesn't really matter. But whenever you just sit with other people and share your experiences then I feel like that's when you make it actionable. That's when you become the church. Sure, and I think actionable looks different to different people, right? Mm-hmm. To me, sitting down and panning through, you know, dozens of old stories in like in apocryphal and biblical texts and, you know, old rabbinic literature and everything, that's actionable to me because it brings me joy, right? It bears the fruit of the Spirit in me. It brings me uh, closer to God. To some people, that may confuse them and push them further from God, and that's not actionable. To them, actionable may look more like a normal church service. But to me, the big thing that we're lacking with our understanding of church, our tradition, or not traditional, but like our westernized version of church, is we have lost the ability to come to different points of view, Right. It's kind of become this whole funnel system, almost like a business. Like you have to and funnel everyone people. Everyone has to be right. Everyone has to have right. all the answers, but it's the complete opposite. Yeah, like the the true. I mean, what is it? It's in Proverbs where it says, like the wise man asks more questions and he has answers. It's good to not have all the answers. It's good to sit down in a group of people and maybe be able to look at the person across and say, I completely disagree with what you're saying, but thank you for sharing it because now I understand your relationship with God. Now I understand how you see God different than how I see God and it, and it helps me grow. And it may not even necessarily that you disagree. You just have a different perspective of who God is to you. You have a different dynamic of your relationship with God. It's not that you're telling them that they're wrong because they may be absolutely right in their relationship with God, mm-hmm. but it's more of you are able to still honor their perspective, but also honor your perspective as well as saying like, hey, that's great, that works for you, but this is how it works for me. And I feel like a lot of times what's missing is the honest conversations and the appreciation of disagreements. Yeah, and I don't want to get any hate mail. It's like, oh, well, there's certain things that you can't. Okay, yeah, I get that God put a few certain rules in place. You know, love God, love your neighbor. Like we have the Ten Commandments. I get that. But if it lines up with that and then it lines up, you know, outside of like there isn't really any other way to line up outside of that. It's just like if you have down those two, you have it going for you, right? Like I think that we take all these different laws and superstitions. We talked about superstition in an episode before and we construct these ideals of God and then we limit 
and I don't even want to say self-limited, it's almost a generational curse of not allowing ourselves to come to the full understanding of who God is. And when I say understanding of who God is, I mean understanding of who God is to you and what your relationship is like with God. And that's just like how you can have multiple, and Elaine, you can probably speak to this, so tell me if I'm off, but you can have multiple siblings and they all have a completely different relationship with a parent. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean any of those relationships are less than, less filled with love, less filled with joy or peace or patience or kindness or goodness or faithfulness or gentleness or self-control than the other relationship. It just means it looks different because you're dealing with two, a unique person and their relationship with another. Is that correct? Well, yeah. I mean, you have, everyone has different interests. So if you connect with your parent because you and your you know, mom or dad have a love for art and have a love for painting, then you, you know, can connect. Or if you have a sibling who loves sports, then you can connect with your parent with sports. And that doesn't make either one wrong or that or better than the other one. It's right. just, hey, well, I can connect on this level and I can connect on this level. And that's the exact same thing with God. Exactly. Like we all have our different ways of connecting with God and the way we can broaden our experiences of him is to understand the experiences of others. And I just want to wrap all this up with this final thing, just to get a little spiritual here. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Guide you when you read. Guide you whenever you're doing experience. Guide you whenever you're having church, whether that looks like our, you know, Sunday morning blowout bash that we do nowadays, or if it looks like gathering together and just talking about, you know, God and mystery and creation and life. And just ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in those and to reveal to you things as you need them about who God is and what he has for you in that moment. And that's the beauty of experience is it goes from, God, let me learn about what you did to God, show me what you're doing. And that is just the the epiphany to me of God is a God of the now. And it's great to see, like, I understand that like God is and was and always will be, He's, you know, the same then as he is now. I get all that. But at the same time, God's the same, but God is infinitely bigger than our time and space. And there's a new aspect of him to fill every waking moment from creation to the last breath of existence. And so to us looking at God, we can view that as God changing almost because God's always revealing a new piece of himself because he's beyond our linear concept and there's more to him than we'll ever, than every single one of us put together could ever understand so long as there is humanity here on this earth. And I think that that's just the beauty of it is that's why we have the Holy Spirit. We can say, you know, God, show me, show me by your spirit. What is this moment look like through your lens? What part of you can I learn in this moment? How can I experience God in this current breath? So I just want to pass that question on to you guys. What does God look like in your experience? How are you experiencing God. Hit us up in Nomads. Hop over there. Ask to be a part. We would love to have you. And of course, you can send your answers to mail at therecklesspursuit.com. We would love to hear from you. And of course, we've said it at the beginning. We'll say it here. We have other podcasts. If you like The Reckless Pursuit, if you love The Reckless Pursuit, and you want a little more of either some biblical history, you got itinerant, or if you want some more woman power and uh, just learning to Femininity. be learning to be all you can be as a woman, head over to the prodigal daughter. 
And you can find links for all of that on our website, therecklesspursuit.com. There's a nice little toolbar right at the top that links out to all of our other stuff we got going. We love you guys. We want to hear from you. Hit us up. And as always, be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll We'll talk talk soon. soon.